Inherently Happy, episode 322. Visualize your moods. We begin, as always, with the happy creed. We believe in happy, in balance and growth, of being mindful and grateful, compassionate and understanding. Yowza ha ha, my happy friends. If you're in a good mood and don't want to be in a good mood, trying not to laugh at a funeral, for example, then that's suffering. Just like if you're in a bad mood and don't want to be in a bad mood. But that's everybody, right? I mean, who wants to be in a bad mood? Well, if you're trying to work through grief and you haven't quite gotten to the point where you can look back and laugh at it just yet, then maybe that bad mood has its place. Although you may not then consider it bad and then you don't know what it is. And that's suffering too. Laughter seems like a vacation in that case. And you still have work to do. The who would rather work than go on vacation? Depends on the work, I guess, and whether or not you like it. And maybe it depends on the vacation. For some, a vacation means being idle, and they might not want to be idle. For others, vacations can be very active indeed, more so even than their regular lives, in which case they may need an idle vacation after their active vacation, you know, before they head back to work. Me, I like doing my artistic work, but I don't like my current day job, which pays the rent. I'm grateful to have a job that pays the rent, but it's a struggle. And just being grateful to have a job doesn't necessarily make me like the job. Get a new job, you may say. That's what I'm trying to do with the films and the writing and the animation and the stuff. We've won awards and we're trying to roll that into an income stream that can eventually become the job, the career that pays the rent and allows us to grow, you know, in a balanced way. But until then, I have to support those efforts with the DAY job. And I'm actually good at it. I consistently get terrific reviews on my performance evaluations. And I'm the go-to guy everybody goes to to help them navigate the endless red tape that comes up on the regular. It teaches me patience, which is always good, but it does that through constant frustration, which isn't quite as good. I apply the teachings of the inherently happy way, of course. In order to maintain my mindfulness, I keep detailed notes on any process that I learn, which I then distill down into a simple and helpful guide so that in case I don't need that process for a while, I can still pick up where I left off or even help train others should they need it. I also dutifully calendar all my tasks so that I never miss a deadline or cause anyone else's work to suffer. It's helpful, and people really like that and are nicer to me as a result, making the work that much easier. I also maintain my compassion by forgiving people who do none of those helpful things. I don't particularly like it when they fail at even the most common levels of courtesy, but I remind myself that their short-sightedness may be a result of their narrow focus, which perhaps they feel the need because they have so many things clamoring for their attention. And so perhaps it's the only way they know how to function. It's a miserable way and a pitiful way, but they're just trying to get through life like the rest of us. And if I can keep my mindfulness and compassion, then maybe they'll allow me to help them 
with some tips to streamline their work. It's been known to work because people tend to like things that make their lives easier. But they also bring a lot of their own expectations and frustrations to the mix and so may prefer to do things their own way. I try to imagine what must be going on in their lives to make them act so abominably. Perhaps they never learned that while events may occur without our bidding or say so, how we react and the outlook we maintain is entirely up to us. Sure, easy to say when you're not in the throes of despair, but not so easy to practice. Well, sure. No one expects you to try to stop the freight train of anguish once it's begun. Runaway moods are just as tough to stop as runaway trains. Emotional inertia, or emotia, as I like to say, which is discussed in episode 5 of this podcast, takes far more effort to change once it's really getting going. But that's why you're meant to stretch your emotions well in advance of when you'll need them. Like in sports, you stretch out first so you'll be limber and ready for what comes. But really, the stretching you do today is actually meant for next week, as you have to do a good deal of stretching on a regular basis to get really agile. Then you aren't unprepared for a fast turn or a sudden shakeup. And you don't snap at people quite so much or think them lazy and obtuse, but rather you understand that they simply don't have a handle on their moods. Do you? Do you get annoyed when some chipper whippersnapper tells you how this too shall pass or every cloud has a silver lining, blah, blah, blah? I know I do. It seems somehow glib and dismissive. And I picture them made of balloons about to get popped. Sometimes I want to be disgruntled. I want to rail against the fates and curse the buffeting winds of change. For changing, for the worse. I work through my feelings in order to get past them. I used to ignore them. And that usually resulted in an eventual blow up. Where I no longer cared who I upset. Just like dear old dad and most of the bosses I've ever had. So now I am mindful of my moods. I try to be transparent about them, like I'm doing right now in this podcast. I talk about them. A little grumble here and there, just to vent my spleen. I write and I draw about them. Probably could even sculpt about them. Making little spheres out of all the moods on the inherently happy mood wheel at hahahappy.org. The primary moods would be a shiny yellow sphere for glad, a frosty blue one for sad, and a burning red one for mad. Then the secondary moods would be a sweaty green one for guilt, a spiky purple one for fear, and a fluffy orange one for hope. If you can picture them, feel them, even taste, smell, and hear them, then you can really understand, comprehend, and get them. Shiny yellow glad is a high note, both fresh and sweet, while frosty blue sad is a low note, musty and bland. And then burning red mad is a loud noise, 
both smoky and salty. Then sweaty green guilt is a ringing in the ears, rotten and disgusting, while spiky purple fear is a shrieking in the night, sharp and bitter. And finally, fluffy orange hope is a comforting voice, warm and savory. Because once you can visualize your moods, then you can get a handle on them and juggle them at will. So they don't control you, but you maintain them in an inherently happy way. I'll help you navigate and you can help spread the word, which can help more people. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah,